Now. Come on. He's just resting, waiting for a new life to come. Are you one of the fright? Fight, fight, fight. Well, welcome to Frankenpod. Thank you. Oh, are you talking to me or the audience? I was talking to the audience. Oh. But I also want to welcome you, Jeff. Oh, Frankenpod. Thanks. I'd like to welcome you as well. Ah, oh, thank you. I'm Craig. I'm Jeff. <laughs> and this is Frankenpod. Oh, I like it. Episode two. That's right. Get, getting down to it. Yeah, so what, uh, what Frankenstein things are we going to be discussing today? Well, first of all, uh, we are going to be doing uh, Frankenstein 1931, the Universal Monster film. Um, however, you mentioned last time, hey, are there any other things between the Edison movie and Frankenstein 31? And there are. There are two silent films. Uh, there's one called Life Without Soul from 1915, and it's it's an English-speaking production or whatever. It's uh, a lost film, though. They don't have any footage surviving from it. And it was 70 minutes, and the creature was called Brute Man in it. And apparently the actor had no makeup. He was just like a guy that acted soulless and creepy. creepy and like dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in 1920, there was an Italian silent film called uh, Monster of Frankenstein. <laughs> and uh, it was 39 minutes, and it's also a lost film. So no no footage survives or anything like that. Um, something I thought was kind of interesting though, is both of those movies deal with the creature not having a soul. It's like theology style where oh, yeah. you know, they, they create, uh, a soulless human and that's where all the rooted, you know, evil comes from and the, the issues and everything. It's kind of like a theological study or whatever. So, yeah, I didn't know that. So, Anyway, if you're, if you're uh, following along with us at home, which I know several people are, uh, a lot of people said they watched the silent film in preparation for uh, last episode, so oh, people awesome. are kind of keeping up with us. Uh, so yeah, you can jump straight into Frankenstein 31 without any regrets. Uh, so far, we're on track. So, uh, What would you like to say to kick us off on Frankenstein 31, Jeff? Um, I would say that this is probably my favorite of the Frankenstein films that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Oh, I saw it in a, in a theater once. That was pretty cool. Have you ever told it on the podcast before? Not that I know of. Yeah, I, uh, when I lived in California, there was a, a thing that popped up on Facebook one day, and it was from Mondo, you know, the place that makes the posters and the, they used to make shirts back in the day. Anyway, they had posted on Facebook that they were going to do a screening of Frankenstein and Drew Struzan was going to be there and he was going to be selling prints of this Frankenstein print that he'd made. I lived in California at the time and I was like, oh, I, I could possibly go to this. And then I was talking to a friend. He's like, yeah, if you don't go to that, you're just going to regret not going for the rest of your life. <laughs> so I uh, got in my car and I drove down there and like when I walked in the theater, Drew Struzan and his wife are sitting in the back row and I looked over and saw them. And I was like, oh. That's them. That's Drew Struzan, you know. And then uh, he did like a Q&A before the movie, and he said that this was his favorite movie of all time, too. So Really? Yeah, I guess uh, they asked him, like, you know, 
why did you pick this movie? He's like, well, it's my favorite movie, and, you know, I did this this painting of it, so I thought this would be a good movie to do. So, You know, uh, trivia alert, do you know what other notable person considers Frankenstein their favorite film? Who's that? Johnny Cash. What? Yeah, supposedly that this was one of his favorite movies. Um, <laughs> when I mentioned that to Kia, she was like, I wonder if that uh, inspired his all-black attire or whatever. This, oh, this yeah. monster wears head-to-toe black or whatever, so yeah. you never know. Might be a little touch of that. So. Maybe. Yeah. Frank and Johnny. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what, uh, what, what was it like seeing it on the big screen? I've never seen um, Frankenstein on uh, the big screen. It was pretty cool. Like, it was, you know, I, I've i seen it several times in my life, but, like, it was it was cool to see it, like, huge, you know? So Definitely. maybe uh, maybe that's one we could do uh, for a future screening. There you go. Maybe. Uh, did you have a good crowd? I guess in Los Angeles you have a better shot at having a pretty good... Oh, yeah, room. definitely. Like, everyone there was there to, to like, see the movie and, uh, and see Drew Struzan and and get a cool Mondo print. So everybody was focused in on the movie when it was going. I thought you might have considered Son of Frankenstein your favorite of the Universal Frankenstein cycle. Well, the the original movie is my favorite, but the Son of Frankenstein, I just like I like his fuzzy vest. Yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the way he looks in that movie the best. Like I think that's the coolest looking Frankenstein <laughs> monster for me. Oh, I was just gonna ask what your favorite was. Well. I, it's funny because I think it might be Son of Frankenstein, but it's more for Bela doing Igor. That's all here now, eh? Yes. The other six are all dead. <laughs> they die dead. I die live. <laughs> wow. That'll be all, Igor. The Igor might be one of my favorite, if not my very favorite universal monster even though oh, he's really? not he's not a titular you know monster character or whatever but to me he fits in that group with that group really well and he's very unique uh <laughs> you know yeah. kind of compared to all the other ones but man I, I actually think uh the way boris looks the way karloff looks in the original frankenstein is the the look for Frankenstein, yeah. like when he is still a hungry actor and he's very gaunt and mm -hmm. there's something about that. I think that he loses after that movie because obviously he becomes more successful and he's eating on a regular basis. Yeah. So, so he kind of adds some weight and, and he got a full dinner now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's something to kind of kick off uh, the discussion. Do you know how old he was when he was cast as the monster? I actually looked that up a couple days ago. Really? <laughs> He was like in his early 40s, right? Yeah, he was 44. And uh, he was obviously like a working actor. It wasn't like mm -hmm. he was just completely destitute. Because he was in uh, Scarface, the original Scarface, as a gangster. Oh, okay. oh, and uh, he, yeah, he plays a pretty mm -hmm. cool part in it. Yeah, he, he he was noticed on the studio a lot by James Well. And Well was like, oh, I like your look. You need to audition for this part. And apparently Boris Karloff was a little bit uh, annoyed by that because – when he met him on the, in the commissary or whatever, uh, Boris was wearing like a suit. He looked all like dapper and cool. And he was like, why did he think I looked like the monster? Like, like, why was he so excited, you know, to audition me for this part when I looked, you know, very nice or whatever. But 
you know, I guess he just kind of had that face. He, he kind of yeah. knew uh, we could do something with this face, you know, so. And he's pretty tall too, right? Actually, off the top of my head, I'm not sure because um, obviously his boots uh, had a lot of thickness to them, like all the Frankenstein actors. Uh, so I'm not really sure how tall he was. Because I know, like, he and Bela Lugosi were very similar in height. Oh, he was 5'11". So, you know, not super tall, but yeah. taller than me, anyway. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the, um, yeah, you know, any stills of uh, Boris, you know, with wearing the shoes, they were, like, extremely thick. But even bigger actors, uh, like Glenn Strange, also wore the lifts and everything. So I guess it was almost like tradition <laughs> to just be gigantic when you play the monster. So One thing I... I was kind of thinking about is a lot of the other actors, especially Glenn Strange and Bela, when they played the monster, they get a lot of flack because they do the whole zombie walk thing mm -hmm. where his arms are outstretched. And obviously if you know the history of the movies and the storyline, there's like an in-house explanation because the monster is technically blind by the time Bela is playing them. Yeah. Um, so he's like feeling around and that's why his arms are outstretched. But if you watch uh, the original Frankenstein uh, the way Boris plays him, he does a lot of hand gestures mm -hmm. and a lot of acting with his hands. It's almost like a pantomime type of situation because he can't speak. Even though later portrayals have the, the zombie walk thing, it's always kind of been there a little bit. There's always been a yeah. little bit of like, my hands, they're out, mm -hmm. out in front of me. The brain you stole, Fritz. Think of it. The brain of a dead man waiting to live again in a body I made with my own hands my own hands oh, i guess we could talk about jack pierce the uh the makeup oh yeah 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 very uh classic makeup artist jack pierce he did all he did a lot of uh, the universal monster movies right he did i think almost literally all of them uh up until like the late 40s i think he got kind of uh sidelined a little bit he still worked I think uh, in the art department i mean in the makeup department but he wasn't the head of it at a certain point um oh, okay but yeah, like all the Lon Chaney Jr. stuff. I mean, pr pretty much the make the mummy makeup that's really iconic looking. All that stuff is mm -hmm. his. And James Well, the director of Frankenstein and The Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein and all kinds, a few other Universal monster movies um, or horror movies. Uh, he he takes a lot of credit for the makeup as well because he claimed that uh, the idea for like a boxed head a, or a flat top head was his idea and. Uh, hmm. Boris Karloff claimed that the heavy eyelids was his idea that he wanted, he didn't want the monster to have like bright eyes and look super uh, intelligent or whatever. So that was a way to kind of deaden him up a little bit. So, yeah. but if nothing else, that means Jack Pierce actually like collaborated with people and listened. Yeah. And maybe that's why it ended up so iconic because he kind of took everyone's input and in, like a real artist, you know, kind of like uh, yeah. put it all together. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's a I I always love that look of Frankenstein's monsters uh eyelids. You know, they're always drooping down and makes them look kind of kind of sad and kind of sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh makes them like far more sympathetic, I think. Well, I think I think that's the appeal of the monster too, right? Is like you think of uh, younger people when they saw it back in the 30s and especially like baby boomers when they saw it on TV in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. Like I think he, the monster played by Karloff especially, appeals to younger people because he has so many kind of touchstones of like a kid. 
and like an adolescent that doesn't know how to interact with people and mm -hmm. is misunderstood and uh, oh that's what I meant to bring up Fritz the Hunchback yeah. played by Dwight Fry which again is another steen sealing you know character mm -hmm. uh, he is directly responsible for the monster being fucked up oh, if you think the, about it the fire and everything well, yeah, like, okay, first of all, he is the one, for some reason, that Frankenstein entrusts to get the brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which is inexplicable and totally unforgivable that mm -hmm. Henry Frankenstein trusts this man to go get the, the proper brain when he knows there's going to be other specimens there that he could fuck up and grab one yeah. of the, a bad specimen. And obviously, Fritz, he grabs the abnormal brain and... Um, Gets spooked also, by the thunder. Yes, and then, like you mentioned or alluded to, he tortures the fuck out of the monster after he's created. <laughs> I mean, he is just merciless to this uh, fire. He's whipping him. He's yelling at him. And sometimes it doesn't even look like he's doing it for any reason in particular other than yeah. just to get his own giggles, right? Yeah. Because if you watch the movie, uh, Henry, after he creates the monster, is actually pretty sympathetic. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, compared to the 1910 version, where immediately when he sees the monster, Frankenstein's like, fuck this thing, he's a hideous. <laughs> oh. Like, Henry Frankenstein, played by Colin Clive, is sympathetic mm -hmm. and still in love with his creation, and still very much, like, everyone else in the room, his fiance, his mentor, his best friend, they're all like, you can't do this, dude. This is crazy. Uh, you know, this is an abomination. We need, we should get rid of this thing. And he's basically like a proud mother almost where he's like, no, I love it. I like, I created this thing. It's amazing. And he's trying really hard to actually train, uh, the monster, you know, like having him sit down and like showing him the moon and that really iconic scene where, uh, the monster is like reaching up to the heavens, you know, right. like the moon, um, which some people speculate that, you know, this idea kind of harkening back to theology, the idea that the monster doesn't have a soul, right? Because he's, he's created by a human or whatever, artificially. Mm -hmm. um, some people say that it's symbolic that James Whale is trying to do like, um, you know, he's reaching up to the heavens, almost like wishing God would give him a soul type of thing. Uh. And that's kind of what they're going for there. And huh. like I had read that before and, and watching it this morning, I was like, damn, like, it feels like Karloff is going for that a little bit. Like, it's not just like a simpleton, you know, reaching up. It's like there's something yeah. there that's kind of kinetic or whatever. It's less theology and more science, right? Because they give him a bad brain. That's one of the, uh, the explanations. And then obviously the hunchback horribly torturing him mercilessly <laughs> to the point where basically the monster kills him in defense, yeah, and that's like his first step into another world, right? Where he becomes kind of a a machine, a wrecking machine. After that, yeah. so it's like when you see those videos online of people like fucking with polar bears and stuff at the zoo, mm. and then the, they get eaten by whatever animal they're they're teasing. Yeah, and you're like, well, I mean, you sh don't don't fuck with wild animals and don't fuck with monsters. <laughs> Do you do you think that's kind of what's going on with Fritz a little bit is the little man syndrome? Cause he's kind of like this small deformed man and like the monster is this hulking mass. And it's kind of like, he gets to pick on someone that's way bigger than him and he can kind of bully someone that's like, yeah, maybe that's I'm what's sure, going on there. Yeah. And he's probably, you know, being a hunchback and being like dirty and weird looking that he is, you know, like it's finally, there's somebody who's even more weird looking than he is. And true. You know, he sees him as being, like, beneath him. So 
He's like, oh, finally, I get to pick out somebody now. Am I, the, uh, like, I would love to know the origin story of how Henry met Fritz. How, how there, did those two guys get together and, uh, you know, become... Wasn't there a movie that came out that had, like, Daniel Radcliffe was Fritz? I I think I it was... This, what was it called? Was It was called Victor Frankenstein, I think. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. James McAvoy played Frankenstein in it. Right. Um, and that I was the idea. I, I saw it, and that was kind of the idea. Was I think originally it was actually called Igor, and it was going to be more of an origin story of Igor, mm. and that's what attracted Radcliffe to it. Um, it had some interesting ideas, like uh, them experimenting on chimps in the beginning uh, mm-hmm. to like reanimate, you know, like a proto-human or whatever. And but um, for the most part, it's like really strange, and also. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe's hunchback is just a big cyst, and uh, <laughs> Frankenstein cures him immediately. He's like, "That's simply this," and like drains it, and then puts yeah. him in a back brace. And then Daniel Radcliffe's just like a totally normal guy for the rest of the movie. Oh, he was only funny. a hunchback for like fifteen minutes of the movie, so he probably little, like uh, had he probably like went to the audition or not audition, but when they asked him to be in it, he's probably like. I'll do it, but I don't want to be hunched over the whole movie. Can you make some kind of thing where he cures his hunchback? (laughs) (laughs) And I wonder if, like, real people with similar conditions where they have, like, uh, arched backs or, you know, hunchback-like appearances, if they saw that movie and they're like, you know what, go fuck yourself. (laughs) If, like, that's all it it took to make me stand up straight is uh, draining my back and then putting me in a back brace, like, yeah, right. Like, there's a lot more to it than that. So, um, but, yeah. I, it's kind of weird though, because Daniel Radcliffe, he's a little bit like uh, Elijah Wood, where mm-hmm. they had a lot of success as young people, and then ever since like their big movies that made their names, they've kind of made oddball choices from there on out. That's kind of like their thing. So yeah, I could almost see him being like, "I only get to be a hunchback for fifteen minutes. Give me that hunchback," <laughs> you know, yeah. like, wanting it more. So every time I watch this. Uh, Colin Clive, the older I get, the more I appreciate Colin Clive as Henry Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when I, as an adult, doing research on it and reading about Frankenstein, the movie, uh, finding out that Colin Clive died at 37, it just, it just kills me, just knowing that dude died so young, you know, like, yeah. and uh, it was from alcohol abuse. It's literally, he just drank himself to death. And um, I, I heard that... Uh, on the set of Frankenstein, he already had the reputation from theater and other movies and stuff like that as being like a Jekyll and Hyde where when he was sober, he's like a really good dude and everyone loved him. But then yeah. like when he got a few drinks in him, he was just like insufferable. So oh, people man. were kind of like, oh, God, here we go. But apparently he and James Well had a really good working relationship that was based in theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Well is a theater guy that was brought in to movies because of uh, sound because basically they're like, we need people that like know how to direct uh, the dialogue and everything. So James Will was like an early adopter of film. And uh, he apparently knew how to rein Colin Clive in. So during at least Frankenstein, I don't know about Bride of Frankenstein, but during the first one, uh, Clive was like apparently on his best behavior and never had any issues. Um, mm. And also took up for Boris Karloff because uh, he didn't think Boris should have to carry him up the up the stairs. Remember, like during the last act in the um, the windmill, right? Yeah, Boris or the the monster has to carry Henry Frankenstein around, and uh, James Will made him do like four or five takes where he just like had to carry him up these stairs, and it was like a lot with all the padding on and the the costuming. 
and uh, it messed up his back for life. He had to have like three really? back surgeries. Yeah, and he was in pain for the rest of his life because uh, the sacrifice he made for art, basically. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, I think I think the original Frankenstein movie is uh, I say the original the nineteen thirty one Frankenstein. Uh, it's a great looking movie. I like, I love the sets in it. I love, uh, I mean, you can tell even in that opening scene where they're digging the body up from the graveyard, you can tell it's a set, but it just looks good. Like I love, I love like the way they did the sky in the background. And then that, uh, in the graveyard, that kind of statue of the grim reaper looks really cool. And then the, the scene at the end, like you were just talking about the one, the windmill, um, I just there's that one shot from like that big wide shot where it shows the windmill and it's on fire and there's the the whatever the mob is around there. I don't know. Yeah, I just really think it's a great looking movie. Well, it's it's iconic and it's the type of stuff that like it just echoes into all other horror movies. You know what I mean? Like like so much of that stuff is just the DNA that you see in like almost literally every horror movie there on out. You yeah. see some of that stuff everywhere. So. It's just crazy thinking that Dracula and Frankenstein came out the same year, back to back. Yeah. Like, like Dracula was a huge hit, and they were like, okay, what else we got? Frankenstein, <laughs> yeah. let's do this shit. You know what I mean? And yeah. they just knocked it out of the park with both of them. And also, it's crazy because, they're again, they're so close to the silent era, there's hardly any music, which is just crazy. Like, when you watch, yeah. when you watch both of those, especially Dracula, Dracula barely has any music. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein is very minimalist as well. And uh, they have to rely completely on dialogue and, like, just the way it's paced. It, like, because mm-hmm. no music tells you how to feel in those movies. Right. Um, which, again, I think we've lost a step with that because you watch something like It, you know, and that's just right. completely reliant on music cues to tell mm-hmm. you how to feel and everything. Oh, yeah. And the, the entrance of the monster the very first time. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, a cra- that's just a crazy entrance because he walks he, like, in backs into the room. <laughs> It's just kind of like, what is going on here? You know, like, why? And then when he slowly turns around, it, like, does this weird jump cut thing where it punches in close, where it's, like, three beats, you know, Mm -hmm. or it kind of, you know, to the point where it's, like, a really close, you know, shot of Boris and the makeup. And uh, I would love, I would almost kill to be able to see that with, like, the 1931 audience because right. I've heard reports of people like passing out, of people wow. you know like being really upset by it and everything. Like I would love to see that because it's so impossible for us to imagine yeah. this movie being taken as like truly scary. You know, I saw it. I saw it when I was a little kid. Like I, I was maybe like ten years old the first time I saw it, and then I was watching it with my dad. And I remember, I remember my dad telling me like when that scene came up. He's like, oh, they, that used to scare me so bad when I was a kid. And uh, he's like, I know you're probably not scared by this now, but like they didn't have anything like this when I was little, you know, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. And like, you know, when my dad was watching it when he was a kid, you know, that movie was already over 30 years old. Sure. So yeah. well, it's, it's funny because uh, in one of the DVD extras I was watching um, a while back, Dwight Fry's son was talking about how his dad showed him the movie, I mm-hmm. guess maybe in a you know repertoire theater or whatever. And uh, he said that his dad was like disappointed that he never got scared. Like he said, his dad <laughs> kept looking over at him going like, ah, this is going to be the part, you know, and he yeah. just kind of watched it as a little kid. Like, ah, oh, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And he said that uh, apparently he told his mother 
his dad told his mother like that he was really upset that, that, <laughs> it, didn't, that it didn't scare his son. So uh. um, I guess it's always kind of been a thing. This, you grow out, uh, like the things that scared us probably won't scare, you know, the next yeah. generation. It's just kind of one of those things. So Yeah, if you show like that werewolf transformation and American werewolf in London to a kid now, are they going to be like, oh, that looks fake? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? It's hard. It's hard to imagine that, but I'm sure. Yeah, yeah and the thing—that's another great example. Oh, of like yeah. Amazing practical effects that uh, a lot of people will probably be very cynical about nowadays. Going, yeah, ah, you know, I can tell it's a puppet. You know, and, yeah. Um, they should. They should CG this, remake it, and CG it all, <laughs> which they they kind of did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Have you ever heard the story about uh, May Clark, who played uh, Elizabeth, the uh, the fiance of Frankenstein? Oh, I don't think uh, so. She, uh, when she saw Karloff in the makeup, even though she was really good friends with Karloff already, like they hit it off really well, mm-hmm. apparently she was freaked out by how he looked in the getup or whatever. And she said, listen, and that's like the scene where they like face off with each other and he's, mm-hmm. he creeps into the room and like abducts her or whatever, or yeah. messes with her. Uh, she was like, I think I'm legit going to be scared. I think I'm actually <laughs> going to freak out. I'm worried. I'm worried how this is going to go over. And Karloff was like, well... Look at my hand, and I'll like uh, wiggle my pinky finger the whole time in a weird way, and you'll know by seeing that that like oh this is like my friend, yeah. you know, acting or whatever, and y- you know you'll focus in on that and you won't be scared the way that you're worried you're going to be scared. And apparently it worked. Apparently like she still gave the performance that they needed, but she was like okay, like kind of grounded yeah. or whatever. So um, now I'm gonna have to go back and watch that scene again. Yeah. And see if I can <laughs> see the the wiggle. <laughs> Also, um, oh, I know we talked about this when we talked about uh, Young Frankenstein, but all the stuff from the the laboratory set, they they were able to get all those props for Young Frankenstein. So when you watch yeah. Young Frankenstein, that laboratory, all those props are the same ones from the original movie. Yeah, apparently that guy was active. Uh, I think it's Kenneth like Strickland or something like that, I think is his name. He was like the guy to go to for all that stuff, and apparently they reused so much of that, uh, so many of the props that he had back in '31, like for decades. So one quick thing I wanted to note, just because it kind of relates to the podcast, uh, the first episode of Frankenpod, I uh, played the speech by uh, Henry Frankenstein. Have you never wanted to do anything that was dangerous? Where should we be if nobody tried to find out what lies beyond? You never wanted to look beyond the clouds and the stars or to know what causes the trees to bud and what changes the darkness into light. But if you talk like that, people call you crazy. Well, if I could discover just one of these things, what eternity is, for example, I wouldn't care if they did think I was crazy. And uh, apparently that's not in the shooting script, and there's speculation that James Well wrote that himself, or at least heavily influenced how it was going to be said, because it was like his own worldview a little bit. It was like how he felt about things, so it was like part of his like personal POV or whatever. So huh. I thought that was really interesting because that's like my favorite little bit of dialogue yeah. in the movie. So oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Jamie, mommy. Oh, mommy. 
Hi, this is Danielle Harris. You're listening to Half-Assed Horrorcast. Uh, to recast Frankenstein? Well, I have to admit, I, I don't know. I, you're going to knock this out of the park. It was my idea, and I don't, I don't really, I don't have as much, but well, it I looks think like I can I, riff. It looks like I have a lot, but I really only did four characters. Mm. I, just, I just kept, I, would, I wrote down somebody first, and then I was like, oh, no, somebody even better, and I th- would write somebody else <laughs> down. So this whole page is like filled up, but it's like, it's only four characters. I only did uh, I did the Doctor Frankenstein, the monster, Bride of Frankenstein, and uh, Fritz. Nice. I I want to say something really quick. As a scholar, as someone that's read the book, uh, Frankenstein never becomes a doctor in the book. Really. Fun fact. Yeah, like in pop culture, he's almost always called Doctor Frankenstein. I think I call him Doctor Frankenstein all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the novel, he, I don't think he even graduates college. I think he drops mm. out, Like he learns enough and he's like, fuck you. And this, you know, goes yeah. off and, you know, does his own thing or whatever. So anyway, a little tidbit for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pseudo Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> so, uh, who do you, do you want to go first? Do you're, do you... Well, uh, no, I think you should go first. Actually, you know what? Okay. I'll go first. I will go first because mine's going to be not as good. Why don't we go? Why don't we do character by character? Like you tell me yours, and then I'll tell you mine, and we can go back and forth like that. You want to do it that way? Okay, let's do it. Let's let's start with uh, not Doctor Frankenstein. Henry, <laughs> Henry. If, if we're if we're doing a remake of uh, Frankenstein thirty one, right? So yeah, so it's Henry. Yes. So who, 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 there's an owl in here. Uh, who do you think should play Henry Frankenstein? Well, I would like, if they were going to do it, I, I think it would be like a Southern take on it. Mm. And it would be kind of a fun, kid-friendly take, but with a Southern twist. Because I, th- I don't feel like that's happened yet. I don't think Frankenstein's been set in the South um, and I think that could be interesting. And I think it should just be the Righteous Gemstones, basically. <laughs> I was going to say, are you going to say Walton Goggins? Yes, I think it should be Walton Goggins. I think Walton yeah. Goggins would be really cool Dr. Frankenstein, it, you I know, in the that. mold of, like, a fun, kid-friendly, like, over-the-top version or whatever. Yeah. That's kind of in the mold of 31 Frankenstein, not the novel, not, like, a serious, you know, <laughs> take on it. Um, so, yeah, Walton Goggins is who I was going to pick. And then, like, the showrunners... Of uh, righteous gemstones, the vice principals. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it Jody Hill? I think is his name. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, obviously, what's his name? Uh, Danny from McBride. Pine- yeah, Danny McBride. I think all those guys would would have really interesting sensibilities to bring to. And plus, they've worked in uh, horror now with uh, Halloween. Yeah. So, I think they could kind of mesh comedy and horror and do kind of a nice update that would be, because. One thing I'm really worried about with Frankenstein and all the Universal Monster stuff is that we're going to be the last generation that gives a shit about it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm really worried that it's going to die out soon. And um, I think a, a nice shot in the arm would be like a comedic take that's kind of really accessible to, like, yeah. say, preteens and up, you know? So, it's a good call. Anyway, continue. So, I, uh, I, I went. So, I think we we kind of briefly discussed this on a previous podcast a long time ago. 
Like, hmm. it was just, like, a thing, like, who do you think we should play? And it was just, like, top of our heads, we said a couple people. But, like, yeah. um, my first thought was, like, uh, ooh, Michael Shannon would be a good Dr. Frankenstein. But then I started, like, just looking around online and stuff. And then uh, I, th- I found another. I thought, well, maybe Jeffrey Wright. He He's cool. Like, he's, you know, he was in... Uh, uh, Westworld? West, Westworld, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can kind of see him like that playing it sort of that way that he plays the character he does on Westworld. That's a great call. But uh, my final my final uh, pick was uh, Ben Mendelsohn. Ah. Because uh, I really like him. I think he'd be good. He's, he's very good at being kind of brooding and stoic, you know. Like, yeah. But I can also see him kind of like. Get, you know, being mad. <laughs> Not angry mad, but, like, crazy mad. Right. It's interesting because we, we both picked older people because, really, Henry Frankenstein should be, like, a younger guy. Um, it, it, traditionally. Uh, it doesn't yeah. have to be, but traditionally it'd be a younger guy. But it's kind of part of getting older. I don't really know that many guys under 30 anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, it had to be that, uh, what's his name, Tremblay or whatever, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Who else you got? Uh, do you want to do, let's do the monster next. Did you, do you have a pick for the monster? Did you, or are you just saying like, well, I think, um, Michael Shannon would actually be good for the monster. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned him for Frankenstein, but I think he'd be a cool creature version or whatever. And, uh, I think he could play menacing, but also sympathetic. Uh, he Mm -hmm. has those nice eyes. I think would look cool with makeup also. He's kind of got a face for it where they could build on it. And, uh, he's gotten old enough now where he's got some, uh, nooks and crannies too. I think they could kind of yeah. do a Glenn Strange look for him a little bit. So, yeah, I'd be down for him. And also, yeah. in my comedic take, I think I think Sh- Michael Shannon can actually do a little bit of comedy, you know, with the right yeah. kind of sensibilities and stuff. Um, but the monster should still be a little scary, maybe. So I think he'd yeah. be a cool one. Yeah, I think that's a good call. He's 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 a really good actor, and like you said, he's got a good look for it. <clears throat> yeah, I was a. Uh, I was thinking like Glenn Strange too, and I was like, who who has like a who's like a tall actor with like kind of a kind of older with some more wrinkles and stuff, and uh, it's funny. I actually my my number one pick is also Michael Shannon. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I got it underlined here. But another person, another runner up that I had was um, Dolph Lundgren or Lundgren, however you say his name. <laughs> Because <laughs> I looked up, he's like super tall, and he's got right. he's older now, so he's got more wrinkles and stuff, and he's kind of got that big like forehead brow kind of thing. Um, and then a distant runner up would be David Harbor. I don't know. Oh, I can I see thinking. that. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's kind of a bigger dude, but I I, I like that Boris Karloff was more of like a th- tall, thin man. But then uh, I also looked up so. <laughs> He kind of already has played Frankenstein's monster, but the his name is Carol Stryukin. How do you say? I can't know. I don't know how to say his name, but he played uh, Lurch in the Adams Family movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's he's older now, but he is older. I think he's a Mike Flanagan player, though, because I think he was in uh, Gerald's Game. He play, he has a part oh, in it yeah, that's yeah. really really creepy in that movie. Yeah. So yeah, you know who else would be a good uh, Henry Frankenstein? Who's that? Dan Stevens from The Guest. Oh, yeah. Wait, let me you know the, uh, like the main guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the titular guest. Um, yeah. Because he's got the British accent. He's kind of got the uh, manic 
you know, look if he needs it. So yeah, hmm. he would even be a good Fritz. He's kind of got well, that kind of look. Who 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 are you gonna pick as Fritz? For Fritz, well, I had a runner up, but I, I ended up with Casey Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just think he's a good actor, and I'm like, I can kind of see him getting a little weird and like bunched over and acting crazy. But uh, my, the only other runner-up I had was Robert Pattinson. Because <laughs> I was looking at pictures of Fritz, and I was like, he kind of has a Robert Pattinson look, like if yeah. Robert Pattinson like dirtied himself up, and you know, yeah. totally. Um, I, it's kind of uh, we kind of mentioned him a little bit earlier, but uh, I think Elijah Wood would be really cool. Yeah, that's actually that's the note that I took earlier when I was really? like writing something down. Oh, nice. Uh, because I, I think he he has those eyes that I think he could really... I think I would say that with Michael Shannon also, but uh, I don't know. I, I get to see Elijah Wood really like eating the scenery and yeah. uh, having a good time playing that part. So I uh, agree. I think he would be great. That inadvertently reminds me, uh, Macon Blair, he'd be another really good director for a Frankenstein oh, reboot. Oh, yeah. The guy that did... Um, like Blue Ruin and stuff? What's that? Or... Oh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. I think you can have a really cool take on that. For sure. Cool. Anyone else? Anyone else you um, cast? I did uh, The Bride. I picked Scarlett Johansson because she, she kind of looks like the yeah. actress who played her originally. Whose I name think I escapes about, me. I didn't even think about The Bride. Uh, I know. It's, yeah. not, it's not the same movie, but yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think, like, who else could I go? <laughs> but what would your take on it be, Jeff? If you if you were gonna do a, like a, a Frankenstein movie or whatever, who would you want to like? What would the tone be and stuff like that? Like I, I mentioned, kind of a southern twist on it. What would yours? Yeah. I know that. I don't know. I <laughs> I think it would be cool if they did it in black and white. Have you seen Frankenweenie? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that was black and white, or even like uh, Ed Wood was black and white, and I I love the look of it. I just think that's that's part of the look of some of these movies is the the black and white. But uh, totally. Excuse me. I know that there's been other ones, other Frankenstein remakes over the years that just haven't interested me at all. Like the one with Robert De Niro, which I've I've never seen it because I was just like eh, I don't know, just for, no, I, for whatever reason it didn't really appeal to me. But I. I have kind of a soft spot for like the '90s boom of uh, horror, where it was Dracula and uh, Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and then oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson Wolf. You know, right. like uh, and even the Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Um, that little line of Universal, you know, infused '90s movies, I thought were kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I have a soft spot for those. Um, Maybe I'll give it a shot sometime. I just. I think a big a big thing that for me is I love the flat top monster. Oh uh, yeah. And like after they did those original movies in the 30s and 40s like that was gone. Like they, he never had the flat top again as far as like in like the legit movies like the Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess if you get De Niro you you can't really put him in that get up maybe. Yeah. Uh, um Kind of segueing, I did open this up to uh, listeners on Twitter mm-hmm. at HA Horrorcast. I, I threw it out there that we were going to talk about this movie tonight. And uh, we had a few questions that were kind of in this line of casting and, and that sort of thing. Uh, we have um, Anson at ALSage36. 
If you had to recast Colin Clive with an actor today, who would it be? I'd have to go with Hugo Weaving. Oh, yeah. He's got yeah. kind of a similar, similar look. Yeah, I, I think of Hugo Weaving as being a little bit more menacing, I guess, but maybe I'm stereotyping him based on, like, The Matrix and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's tough, though. It's a tough, uh, you know, kind of to get a Colin Clive-esque personalities is pretty tough to me. Yeah. Someone that's so sympathetic and, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, I don't even, it's like you said before, but the problem is I don't really know any actors that are under 30, or under 40, really. Right. <laughs> I, so. I mean, I, I would kind of circle back around to Dan Stevens. I think he would be a pretty good surrogate. And he's also English, so he has, you know, kind of the same, he's kind of cut from the same cloth as Clive, so. Yeah. Then we have a... Our buddy, uh, Tennessee Mark, it's Marco Estes. Would you guys want to remake with a modern take or follow the time period in the original novel or no uh, new remake at all? It's funny. I was just about to ask you, like, should, do you think they should remake it uh, modern day or have it take place, you know, when the book took place? I, well, but. I mean, it's it's funny because uh, the 31 movie, it's like really out there. I, I don't know when it's supposed to take place because it has yeah. like a lot of, it feels like it's supposed to be like 1800s sometimes because there's like horse and buggies and old world stuff. But then yeah. obviously there's the electricity and industrial stuff. And so I, I don't really know when that's even really, I think they're purposely not telling us when it's supposed to right. take place. I don't know. I, I feel like for me, I would like for it to take place whenever uh, the book took place, like mm. have it set in the older days. Cause I feel like, um, maybe, I don't know. I'm just trying to imagine like how somebody would approach that in a modern sense, you know? Well, it's, I think, uh, the technology kind of gets in the way of it now too. Yeah. Like if, if it was taking place in 2020, like they would make the monster with a CRISPR or something like that. It would be like genetic yeah. manipulation. It wouldn't have anything to do with sewing dead body parts. And right. um, to me, that's part of the that's part of that character is you made them from dead things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it's all like modern science, it won't be as fun to me. But um, I don't know. Do you ever watch uh, American Horror Story? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There was a season. Uh, with the witches where uh, what's his name I forget the the actor's name anyway like Evan Evan, Peters yeah Evan Peters like his character was supposed to be like Frankenstein's monster like some they sewed his body parts together to make one guy right Um, so maybe there's a way they could still figure out some way to have it be like modern body parts sewn together still but we have another question from uh, TV Geek he's at uh, Felnez 63 uh, if this film was made now I don't think the scene with the little girl would fly any thoughts <laughs> and he's of course talking about uh, the yeah. monster and the girl with the flowers and him throwing them, her into the water hmm yeah I don't know I feel like uh, I don't know when you watch that movie when you watch the original one it's it's more implied that she dies really. Cause he, you just see her throw her in the water and then he runs away like, <laughs> but you know, he, well, now hold on. It's, it's, she does die because her father parades through the streets with her dead body. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, Later. Yeah. He's like, the That's monster right. killed her, even though he has no idea how she drowned somehow. Yeah. He's like, the monster. He never saw the monster yeah. or anything. He just saw, like, <laughs> giant boot prints. <laughs> the, the, the last act of Frankenstein is, like, a little haphazard because also, yeah, like, how does the dad know the monster killed his daughter? Also, how did the monster know what house to enter to attack Elizabeth? Like, mm. he's never been to that house before, but, like, <laughs> he just somehow stumbles into the house and yeah. finds her alone, messes with her. Like, did he know that that was going to be the bride of his creator that he now hates? Or mm. was it just all dumb luck? And he just was, like, misunderstand, Like, yeah. oh, I didn't mean to bother you. I'm sorry. You know, it's kind of... He just he know. looked her up on Facebook and was like, ah, oh, she lives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Because in the novel, by then, uh, the monster is, like, super intelligent, and he is, like, deliberately getting revenge on yeah. Frankenstein and, like, seeks out Elizabeth and fucks with her um, and, like, does all kinds of heinous stuff. Um, but uh, the movie kind of bypasses that stuff. And Yeah, yeah as far as the, the scene with the little girl, um, I don't know. I think they could still make it work somehow. Uh, I guess, you know... It seems like today's, for today's movies, it seems like people are kind of skittish about doing certain things, but I, I don't know. Um, we watched that whole show, um, The Outsider. The oh, whole premise, yeah. Yeah, the, the entire premise of that show is children getting killed. <laughs> yeah, so. I, to be honest, I don't think it would be a problem. I think it could almost yeah. play exactly the same, and mm-hmm. it might still elicit, you know, shock or whatever, but I don't think anyone right. would be like, Cancel Frankenstein. Fuck this. Yeah, you yeah. know, just based on that. But uh, we have uh, one last question. It's from Irish Mark. He's at Silent Bobo thirty seven. Um, which Universal monster would you like to be roommates with? <laughs> hmm. Well, I, th- I think it's more like which one would be the least awful because yeah. all of them would have issues, obviously. Right. I would, I would, my first thought was the monster just because I'm like, well, he's pretty affable, except for when you're, you know, poking him with fire. And, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I don't know. Maybe the Wolfman and just be like, hey, just so you know, like once a month, go somewhere else. or yeah, like You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the rest of the month, you know, he, he's pretty, seems like a pretty okay guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I totally agree. Uh, I, I, but I do think if Dracula was actually your friend or if you were, like, in a strictly roommate situation with Dracula, mm-hmm. that wouldn't be so bad. You could, like, live in this cool castle. Yeah. You just kind of stay in your little area. Don't bother him. Yeah, you know, that would be okay, I think. Um, He's only awake at night. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You could almost kind of avoid each other if you, if you yeah. played your cards right. Um, I guess you would just have to morally be okay with Dracula killing people in your house. Yeah. Um, It'd be like what we do in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think the mummy would be a pretty uh, chill roommate. Uh, oh, yeah. Similar reasons. You know, just kind of stay out of his way. He kind of does his own thing. and Yeah. You know. I'm trying to think, like, which one would smell the worst? Probably the monster, because he's dead body parts sewn uh, together. <laughs> I don't know. The, I think the creature from the Black Lagoon <laughs> oh, would be call. pretty rough. Smell and like also, fish. Yeah, he'd smell like fish. He'd, he'd, like, track water all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Also, there's no telling. Yeah, there's no telling what the creature eats. The creature in Black Lagoon, he probably eats like a lot of like raw fish and mm-hmm. 
scuzzy stuff and it's going to be all over the place. And, yeah. Uh, he'd also probably scratch everything. Like when he's like, you know, turning a doorknob, he just scratches yeah. like the paint. And, you know. It would be like having just like a giant pet that... <laughs> <laughs> or like having like a... I don't know, like a giant fish, but the fish is does it hang out in a tank? Actually, like walks around the house and gets right. water over. You're like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what kind of noises the creature makes. I guess he doesn't really make any noises. Yeah, he's he's got kind of a roar thing going on. He, he does sometimes. Yeah. Okay. He'd probably also be in the shower all the time, slash the <laughs> yeah. bathtub. He'd just be hanging up out, hanging out out there. Maybe that would be okay though. He'd kind of yeah. isolated in the bathroom. Be like, uh, dude, I need to take a shower too. Like, <laughs> so just wrapping it up. Would you recommend Frankenstein Thirty One, Jeff? Absolutely. It's a great movie, yeah. and it's a short one too. It's like, like an hour and change. Like not it, by and change. I mean, it's like an hour and ten minutes or something like that, right? Yeah, I think most of the old school Universal monster movies are like seventy-ish minutes, like seventy, eighty, around in there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like what we've echoing in you know last episode. I mean, if you're a student of horror or just cinema in general, I mean, that, this is like a benchmark movie. I mean, it's got so much going for it. And um, if you watch the 1910 version, jumping 20 years later, I mean, it's crazy how much filmmaking has evolved and changed in such a short yeah. period of time. I mean, like barely a lifetime. It's just totally different now. So yeah. um, I would almost like recommend watching 1910 as like a little you know, setting the tone and then you, you jump into 31 and go, Oh shit. Like <laughs> things <laughs> have gotten a lot jump. better. <laughs> yeah. So for, uh, next episode, episode three of Frankenpod, are we jumping straight into bride of Frankenstein or do you want to go off in a different direction for a little while or mm, bride sounds good to me. You want to do bride? Yeah. Cool. I haven't watched well, that one in a while. So it'd be fun to revisit. Well, that, that one has a lot more of a James Wells, uh, you know, imprint on it and everything, too. So, yeah. And it also has one of my favorite characters as well. It's kind of like Igor a little bit. Uh, Dr. Pretorius, a, a really oh, cool yeah. character that kind of steals a lot of the movie. So. Uh, oh, I thought I was alone. Good evening, Smog. Friend. Yes, I hope so. Have a cigar. They're my only weakness. All right. So next time on Frankenpod, Bride of Frankenstein, 1935. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Oh. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast. Facebook at Half-Assed Horror. Twitter at HA Horrorcast. And you can send us an email at halfastedhorrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, halfastedhorrorcast.com. Yeah.